Well, this morning I'm here, uh, here two days. Thank you for that opportunity to be here twice uh, in this week that begins with the Martin Luther King holiday. And I've been tasked with the uh, subject of reconciliation. But it has been a strange few days in our country. On the one hand, we are celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King, a civil rights hero, a religious figure who's of African descent. At the same time, we hear these crazy words coming out of the nation's capital about the continent of Africa. Very disparaging and profane words. So as I was thinking about what I should share on my first day, um, I was drawn just back a few weeks ago to the Christmas season and the last episode of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. The angel said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Don't worry, there's going to be some reconciliation in this message today. Under threats from Herod, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph flee Palestine to live as refugees in Egypt, which is on the continent of Africa. So what I want to do today is reconfigure our conversation and talk about why it's important that Jesus was called out of Africa. Now this text is actually found first in the prophet's words in Hosea 11, chapter 1. Out of Egypt I have called my son, is what the prophet said. When Hosea originally uttered those words as the prophet of God, it was an expression of the Hebrews people's central understanding of God. And in Hosea's text, the son he's referring to is Israel, Israel itself. That God delivered ancient Israel from the oppressive slavery they had endured under Pharaoh in Egypt, on using the leadership of Moses. In the early part of their history, and you'll read it, they'll say they refer to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Japheth. And if we were today, we would probably also add the God of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel. The people knew God through their leaders, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of their faith. This all changed when the ancient Israelites were led by God out of oppression of the oppression of Egypt to the promised land. No longer was this just the religion of the leaders. Everyone experienced God's liberation. And we can hear this so clearly in the way God is identified in the first of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And Hosea echoed this faith statement, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Hosea's God was a God 
of liberation. Now, an interesting thing happens. The Hosea text jumps through time into the first century church. And the early church and the gospel writers were reading their scriptures through the lens of the Jesus story. Suddenly, texts that had always said one thing now had something new to offer because of a different context. They were reading the Hebrew scriptures through the experience of Jesus. All at once, Hosea was saying of God's son, Jesus, and his emergence out of Egypt. Hosea spoke of a God liberating ancient Israel from Pharaoh's Egypt. Matthew sees a God liberating Jesus from the killing rage of Herod by sending the Holy Family to Egypt. Although for Hosea, Egypt was a place of slavery and oppression, and for Matthew, Egypt was a place of escape, safety, and refuge, both were announcing that God is a God of liberation. Matthew is connecting the ministry of Jesus to this tradition of liberation. For the first century church, Jesus was a message of liberation. He even said it himself, he came to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. And in his death and resurrection, he liberated us from our sins as well. Let's hold on to that word, liberation, which starts in Hosea and bounces across time into Matthew. But it doesn't stop there. The text jumped, as I said, from Hosea into the Gospel of Matthew, into the new context, and that changed how the ancient text was interpreted. Well, the text jumped again, this time from the Gospel of Matthew into the context of the slave quarters of Africans kidnapped and brought to North America, and into the context of churches of African Americans all across our land, which were created out of the rejection by white Christians. The context that the text now jumped into was a system of slavery and then of segregation based on the declared superiority of whites and the inferiority of blacks, a system of white supremacy. Slavery and segregation were taught as God-ordained realities. All the pictures in the Bible were of white people it was as though black people and Africa were left out of God's salvation story. In fact, all persons of color were left out of God's salvation story if all you had to look at were the pictures in the Bibles. I don't know if you grew up with those Bibles or not, but I remember getting this little picture of Jesus. It was like a photo size that I could put in my wallet and it was a white Jesus, and I could open my wallet to my friends when I was a kid, and I could say, this is my mommy, and my daddy, and my Jesus, and we're all one happy white family. That's what that image did. It empowered white people. We understood God as white. But for persons of color and persons of African descent, that was a struggle to look at a Bible whose pictures were all white. But when blacks who were oppressed by slavery and segregation heard this text out of Egypt, I have called my son, 
They heard it as, out of Africa, I have called my son. It spoke to the entire continent. Not a bad biblical interpretation because the psalmist in 105, Psalms 105 uses ham, which was the biblical uh, word was used for Africa, ham and Egypt interchangeably to speak about the continent. The context changed the interpretation of the text. A few years ago at Bethel AME Church in Baltimore, one of the most historic African-American congregations in the United States, their pastor Frank Madison Reed preached from this Matthew text and declared that Jesus had an African connection. The fact that Jesus had lived in Africa was a message of affirmation to people of African descent and people of color who had been told that they were inferior. Soon African-American biblical scholars began to look closely at the Bible and they discovered over 850 references to people and places in Africa. The presence of blacks in the Bible was a statement to blacks living under segregation and under racism that they were in the salvation story. And after generations of being demeaned and degraded, there was a different story that needed to be told. And then someone looked more closely at the story in Matthew that we just read from. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph had gone to Egypt to hide from Herod. If they were Northern European whites, like the pictures in the Bibles they had, they would have had a hard time hiding in Africa. Think about that, looking like me, trying to hide in Africa. So Jesus and the Holy Family, at least we're not white. And even if you look at Palestine today and you go over and you visit, there's a wide range of hues and colors that represent the Holy Land. Other scholars examined the genealogy of the Hebrew people in Jesus and discovered that there are Africans among the ancestry of the Hebrew people in Jesus and began to refer to the Jews of that time as Afro-Asiatic Jews. In most states in the United States, the definition, the legal definition or the cultural definition of being black historically has been having any discernible trace of African ancestry. It was called the one drop rule. Maybe some of you have heard of that. Jesus had one drop. And had he been born and raised here, he might have been defined as black. Now the point I'm trying to make is that when the Matthew text jumped from the gospel narrative from the first century into the African communities, African American communities in the US and churches, in the continent of Africa and the African diaspora as well, the text offered a powerful word of affirmation after generations of subjugation and degradation. So let's hold on to that word, affirmation. So the text jumped from Hosea into the Gospel of Matthew and the context of the early church. Then the text jumped from the Gospel of Matthew into the minds of black preachers interpreting the scripture text for a context of slavery and segregation and racism. 
We're holding now on to two words that emerge from these jumps, liberation and affirmation. You got those words, you hold on to them? Liberation, affirmation. Well, today in January of 2018, the text jumps again into our time. Our time is a very diverse 21st century in the United States. If you've read the demographic uh, predictions for this century, by 2042, the white population will drop below 50% in the United States, and we will have a plurality of races. There'll be no one majority race. By 2050, whites will be 46% of the population. Latinos will be 30%. Yay to the Latinos. <laughs> See, there are gonna be a few more Latinos here in Chapel in 2050. <laughs> Black folks will be 15%, Asians 9%, Native American folks, multiracial folks will fill out the remainder. 2023, how many of y'all going into youth ministry? Youth ministry folks, feeling called to youth ministry. 2023, that's five years from now, whites will have dropped below 50% in youth groups under 18. Already the birth rate, persons of color being born at a higher rate than white folks. It's happening, it's changed. So what does this text say to us today? What is the word for us today? Out of Egypt I have called my son. The text reminds us that Jesus came for all of us. No ethnic group, no nation, no race can own Jesus. That's good news, folks. See, if he had just stayed in Palestine his entire life, he'd be owned by Palestinian Jews. But he went to Egypt, there, so he could say, out of Egypt, as the prophet had said, out of Egypt, out of Africa, came Jesus. But if he'd stayed there, he could be just simply an African Jesus. He came back, and we see in the ministry of Jesus how he reached out way beyond his own racial and ethnic group, and the early church did the same, and therefore we have the word and the word we want to hold on, that word three, is reconciliation, is what makes this possible. That when we are reconciled to God, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are automatically reconciled to each other. Automatically reconciled to each other. We have to learn how to live into that. And that will be some of the work that we'll be doing tomorrow in chapel. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Jumps to Matthew. Out of Egypt, I have called God's son. Jumps into the congregations of people of African descent and people of color. Out of Africa has come God's son. And now here in the 21st century, born 
Palestine went as a refugee to Egypt, returns out of Egypt as the Jesus of reconciliation. It's throughout the gospel, you cannot miss it. When Jesus was born, poor Palestinian shepherds and magi from Asia gathered around and then there was this trip to Africa. It was as though the whole globe gathered around. You don't have to say the word reconciliation, it was just there, it was emerging. And at his death on the cross, it was Simon of Cyrene, an African, who carried his cross. It was a European, a Roman centurion, who spoke words of faith. From beginning to end, to resurrection, we see reconciliation throughout. But reconciliation comes because of liberation. And to get there, we need the experience of affirmation. And then we can sit together and talk about reconciliation. Tomorrow, we will do the hard work of what does it take to actually become a people of reconciliation? What is the hard work? What are the tools that we need? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, God, we live in a nation that is seriously divided these days. We don't know how to talk to each other. The rhetoric gets more and more profane. I guess that means there's a role for us as your followers to step into the middle of the tensions, into the middle of the racial challenges, and speak a word of reconciliation. Lord, we pray for the courage and the confidence to do it through your spirit. We know you are the kind of God that can give us all that we need for the journey. In your name we pray. Amen.